So what we've started as a side project to interview other humans across the globe has become a global phenomenon. Since 2017, Mark Metro has interviewed billionaires to professional athletes to top selling authors on his podcast, Humans 2.0, which is now a top 100 podcast. So it's my warm welcome to introduce Mark Metri as our next chapter of Next Gen Movement. Welcome, mate. Woo! Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> when I got a chance to interview, when I got a chance to interview you a long, long, long time ago, you know, it's just like, you know, it's all about, it's like similar to going to the gym, you know, it's like one rep after the other and every rep you learn something new, whether that's from the guests themselves or the experience. And, you know, that's just what I've been doing. And, you know, day after another, you know, you look back at what you've done for like a year and you're like, oh, whoa, how did this happen? You know? Totally, dude. And I guess my first question leading into that kind of piggybacks on that. So I've been watching your journey, I guess all the stuff that you've been reflecting on seemed like you're a bit of a lost kid and I can always resonate with that. Um, before you had a bit of weight on, um, it seemed like that was a bit of an issue. You had a lot of social anxiety. Uh, tell me, I guess, transformatively how you've gone from that to this because learning from other, from other humans, because that's entirely what we've, what our kind of model is about as well, learning from others. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, when I look back at my life, I, you know, had some, you know, good times, I had some bad times. And, you know, it wasn't until I ended up going off to college, where I started to expand my worldview. And, um, you know, what ended up happening, man, is, you know, I was trying to suppress this version of myself, that I thought, my family members, my friends, the other people in the world didn't really want to see. So I was almost like living somebody else's life. And I didn't figure that out until I saw the negative physical manifestations of not living your own life. I tried to drown out my consciousness with a variety of different drugs like Netflix and binge eating food until I was eventually like 200 pounds. And, you know, I just remember like having this moment with myself where like my clothes just didn't fit. And I was just like, whoa, wait, 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 what was going on? And I was sort of unconscious of it. And up to that point, I didn't know what the words mindset, self-development, like learning from people, I had no idea what those things were. And so it wasn't until I realized that I need to drop the physical weight just because I know that's sort of unhealthy that really began to like set me down this journey. And so for me, it started with like food and nutrition. And once I started doing those things, I got more energy to put in other things in my day, like exercising regularly, which I had never done in my entire life, which eventually led me to like sleeping eight hours a day, which again, I had never done in my entire life. And I just kind of had like these series of like trying out new different habits, which eventually got me into like meditation and then journaling and then trying to like rewire my brain with gratitude that eventually, you know, led me to just like a series of revelations about like my own life and how I sort of need to take responsibility and how it's sort of all in my own hands and, you know, all the good things that I had done in my life because I did have a bit of sort of superficial financial success. All those things were my fault and also all of those negative things that I had sort of blamed on somebody or something else. I really understood that it was, 
you know, it doesn't even matter whose fault it is, right? But it's my 100% responsibility. And so really when I figured that out, like that is really like where I would say like the sort of like beginning of like this new real version that I've always wanted to be began. So, so Mark, I was, I was reading, awesome. I was reading about yourself on the internet and I didn't realize that you were actually an entrepreneur from a really young age. So, and you had been quite successful in, in your own endeavors. So can you kind of give us some, some background on that part of your life? Cause I don't know if a lot of people know your kind of commercial background or, or your, your background from a working perspective. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, man. And I was in this interview a couple of days ago and I was called a serial entrepreneur and I just laughed and I died so hard. But, you know, honestly, man, to be totally honest with you, I never knew what the word entrepreneur was until I was being interviewed by the Huffington Post. And he called me that and I was like, wait, what does that mean? And it was a funny experience. But anyway, like, you know, I was always, you know, the, one of my coping mechanisms, like when I was a kid and when I was in my teenagers was just like, fiddling around with stuff and I just so happened to get really lucky and one of my interests was technology and like when I was growing up in like 2010 2011 this is when you know a lot of different parts of the internet started to sort of go or begin to go like mainstream and you know I had only worked one job in my entire life at my dad's pizza store like uh, washing dishes cleaning floors and eventually I ended up like just working there for a summer I saved enough money to buy like an iPhone and a, like a small little notebook laptop kind of thing. And once I had that, man, I was just in the online game. I started to learn how to develop websites and apps like just for fun really early on. And I began like freelance my skills, started to make a little bit of money. I also actually had like a YouTube channel back in 2009, 2010. And that was like at the beginning of YouTube where they were just rolling out like their partnership program. There weren't people that had millions of subscribers. So I had joined this network called Machinima and I had started making some money there. And, um, you know, I had, I had launched so many different websites. I had launched so many different kind of like informal businesses from like ages 13 to 17 that I have honestly lost track. I have no idea. Um, but honestly, like my first kind of like big hit was when I was 15 years old, I ended up stumbling into this video game called Minecraft and I got on there with my friend and, uh, you know, we joined a couple multiplayer servers, which is just where like people can join and play together with their friends. And you know, to keep a long story short, you know, that thing that I had started ended up becoming the number one Minecraft server in the world. I started making hundreds of thousands of dollars. I had like a staff team of over 40 people. And, um, and then that enabled me to launch a couple other things sort of similar along that route, like a, like a web server hosting company. And, and yeah, I mean, it was just a really interesting time in my life. And, you know, that's like, I would say looking back at that now, that's where I really began to kind of like formulate success. Like, I came from uh, sort of like a family background that immigrated to this to America without really having any money. We grew up on food stamps, government housing, and I never really had my own money. And then, you know, when you kind of go from that background to making 
you know, like hundreds of thousands of dollars to like something you love, like you're not slaving away that had like a, like a 95% profit margin. And, you know, you're in this system of school where everyone, everyone's mentality is kind of like, oh yeah, I'm going to, you know, graduate high school, go to college, graduate college, get an entry level job, eventually work my way, my way up to a six figure salary. And, you know, I was in high school, I was 15, but I was already at that point from, you know, really starting it from nothing. And so that sort of began like some cognitive dissonance almost for me, for me, because I had never really understood it. But kind of like when I look back at my entrepreneurial journey, that was like the biggest takeaway. And I think that sort of, you know, ended up moving the dominoes sort of, you know, to, to, to as a figure of expression in a way that, um, you know, led me down a bunch of different series of events for sure. If that made sense. Yeah, for sure. Matt, that's, that's phenomenal. I'm going to jump in. Um, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. So it's a, it's an amazing story, especially for a 15 year old, mate. Congrats. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like what, what stemmed, like how did humans 2.0 come about? Like, Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, yes, like I had talked to you guys about that. Like I was, um, so I was at this time where I was overweight, I was depressed. I didn't really know what to do with my life. I found health as a sort of a way out, which led me to a lot of other things. And so I had been in this journey for maybe about like six, seven months, just kind of like reinventing myself and transforming myself to, and, you know, aligning myself towards all the things that I want to do and kind of focusing on essential foundations that will grow exponentially in the future. And, you know, it was in the middle of 2017, you know, where I had started to, and always had, you know, face some resistance the business that I had started wasn't necessarily working or up to my expectations. I had run into more problems with my health, some other personal and other relationship type issues. And I just kind of felt like this moment where, you know, I was about to go into stagnation of who I was before. And so I just started, you know, I just decided to, um, you know, kind of go back to the beginning, like, you know, I, I fundamentally believe that after I saw sort of like my own transformation, I began to hypothesize and formulize the concept of kind of like this next level, this next version that every single human has inside of them. And it's up to them whether they decide and make that decision and then take that action in every single moment. And, you know, I had just learned from previous experience that the best way to learn anything is to have a direct conversation with somebody that is actually doing the thing. Um, not somebody that, you know, like just writes about it or not somebody that's a theorist, but somebody who's actually doing it today. Um, and so I just figured like, okay, you know, I was 20 years old when I was starting it at the time. And I was like, okay, how am I going to talk to like the best of the best in whatever sort of industry or aspect of life that I'm interested in? You know, it's very unlikely that, you know, one of these successful individuals is just going to hop on like a call with like a 20 year old kid, right? That sends them an email. And so I just started to think like, you know, how could I sort of separate myself? How could I sort of create like a mutually beneficial um, sort of relationship or, you know, where they're not just giving me their time, but I'm giving them something in return. Eventually, as my podcast grows, kind of the attention of my audience, whether they're coming out with like a new book or they got something to promote or whatever it is. And so, yeah, that's really how it just started. Like it, 
really just started as a very sort of like selfish, like feedback loop system that I created for myself to continuously sort of push me to that next level. And then, you know, years or a year later, I realized, you know, it has a bunch of other side effects, so to speak, like it helped me build my brand. It helped me express myself. It helped, it helped me do so many different things. So yeah, that's really how it started. Dude, that's that's awesome. I've been, uh, like I said, I've been watching closely the whole journey. I remember when you reached out to me, you're like, "Hey man, I read your article. Do you want to be in my podcast?" Um, yeah, I, I remember that. Doing people like Seth Godin, who I've absolute like big fan of his books. Right, actually, a lot of the people you've interviewed. Is there a common trend that you've with the people that you're interviewing? The caliber of them are getting higher and higher. Right, you, you interviewed Naveen Jain, who's a billionaire. He has Moon Express. My yeah, he's such a good dude. Eh? Um, I guess, is there a common trend that you're finding with these really successful people? Now, successful is a subjective term, right? But are you finding a common trend between these people? Is it a specific morning routine? Is it a way they are learning? Is it, I guess, just their, um, I guess they don't, no bullshit limits kind of thing. Like, is there, is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like I, I always get asked this question and, you know, my answer has evolved over the years a lot. And it's, it's really interesting to kind of look back at that. And at first I would say, um, you know, all these successful people are still just human. They generally speaking, get the same thoughts and fears and sometimes doubts and uncertainties as you, but you know, the thing that separates them is, they just power through it and they just do it. And, you know, I think a lot of us are sort of, um, you know, governed by our emotions. Like if we have a thought of, you know, I'm feeling lazy, you know, we will give into that and we'll just sort of do that because we haven't really controlled or mastered our mind. And so I think that's definitely one thing, but honestly, after talking to so many people and trying to find like a, similarity you know some of them have a morning routine some of them don't some of them meditate some of them don't some of them are you know exquisite or very particular with what they put in their mouth some of them don't and so honestly the number one similarity that i can say is that you know they every single morning when they wake up they work their face off to be the person who they want to be tomorrow and you know, that doesn't really sound, that may not sound like an awesome answer, but it's like, that is just simply the truth. They are completely ordinary people. I'm sure some of them are talented, but I feel like we kind of use these words like extraordinary or talented to sort of place a boundary between what we're doing and what they're doing. And so that's honestly the one commonality. They just work their face off and whatever they do. And, and some people might hear that and you know, they might, you know, misunderstand that and think like, oh, you know, they, they work at their, their job or their business or their company super hard. But it's like, no, I'm, I'm talking about life holistically. Like they wake up every morning and they're like, I'm going to be, you know, like the best dad or like the best mom in the world. Or I'm going to wake up in the morning and, um, you know, take care of myself in the best possible way. You know, I'm going to, you know, whatever it is for each person, I'm going to sleep like eight hours every night uh, without excuse, because that is what it takes for me to be the best version of myself. 
And it's just, just like that kind of, like you said, like no bullshit limits mentality that, you know, eventually it's like, if you put in the reps a thousand times, eventually a couple of times you get lucky. And I just think that's the same way it works with me and the same way it works with, with everyone else. And, um, and yeah, and I, I kind of view that as sort of holistic all around success. There's people that are externally successful, but I don't think they're internally successful. And that to me is not really what I'm interested in. Um, like, you know, for me, like I could have, um, like at the age of 15, I could have like retired and sat on a beach for the rest of my life and not just done anything in the world. But that's not actual success. That's not going to make anybody happy. And so I think it's that also understanding of, you know, what is what does it take to reach that, you know, need of holistic success in every single aspect of your life, whether that's in business and health and relationships um, in like your spiritual life. And I think everyone kind of has those different buckets to fill and all the successful people that I've talked to, the similarity is that they just go a hundred percent pedal to the metal nonstop on every single one of those buckets in almost every single moment of their life. Hmm. That's a, that, that's a phenomenal answer, Mark. And throughout the conversation, what I've really been hearing from you is this kind of journey towards self-actualization for yourself you, know, you look at maslow's hierarchy of needs and i talk about that a lot that what i'm hearing is that you're really looking to kind of grow into the person you know you were born to become and that means focusing on this kind of holistic path and with your answer uh that you just given us around what that commonality is across successful people i'm hearing that too and one of the things that i'm hearing is that you've really developed a strong narrative. You've changed the narrative of your life and you've got quite a strong narrative. And, and I want to ask you something, dude. What is, if you're, if you're open to share this, what is your personal narrative and where, when you look at the Mark Metry in, in 20 years, who are we looking at? Mm. Dude, that's such an awesome question. And, the whole narration thing, like I was thinking about that yesterday and um, I was thinking about that yesterday because I, yesterday I had like a very, very like packed day, a lot of stressful things, a lot of pivotal things. And, you know, I was, I was walking to my next meeting and one of the things that I realized about my like internal dialogue is that, you know, my, my narration has shifted from, from the past of, Oh, dude, you're a loser. Nobody likes you. You're always going to be this way. You shouldn't talk to people. Like just all these things that I had unconsciously running into my mind. And now it's like, dude, I love you, man. You're going to totally rock this. And it's almost like flipped on its head. And I don't mean to say that, you know, as if it's a hundred percent every time, because yeah. obviously it's not right. But it's like through me, basically for the last basically ever since like November of 2016, you know, me waking up every morning at like 5am and, you know, doing these things that I know are going to, um, you know, like uh, I, I interviewed this guy, James Clear, and he said that, you know, habits are almost like a vote to who you're going to be in the future. And me just waking up and doing that every single day, basically without failure, uh, every single day for like the past two two and a half years 
it's really sort of like reverse that narration, man. And honestly, when I think of myself 20 years in the future, like I'm 21 now, 41, dude, honestly, that, that is crazy, man. Like I, I'm like low key getting goosebumps just thinking about it right now, but it's like, um, you know, I have certain goals. I have certain sort of, um, ambitions, things that I want to see happen in the world that I'm going to make happen. And, you know, I don't really have like sort of a direct, like black and white answer, but man, I hope I'm like Mark Metry version 3.0 or 4.0 or something like that. <laughs> You're funny, dude. That's a good answer, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Mark, I'm curious, um, like of all the amazing people that you've had the chance of sitting down with and getting to know on a one-on-one basis, who has had the most impact on you? And why? Yeah, that's an awesome question, man. So it's funny. Be- yeah, it's funny, right? Because um, what's it called? Uh, Toph mentioned his name, but um, Naveen Jain has actually uh, like become a mentor of mine. I talk to him all the time. And, you know, Naveen is this guy that had like a massive, massive impact on me because when he came on my podcast, um, he really wasn't talking to the audience. He was really just talking to me. And after, you know, we ended up chatting a, a, a couple other times and, you know, he really, really just inspired me to um, kind of move past the limits that I had for myself. And, you know, I remember like after I recorded the podcast with Naveen, I literally could not stop smiling throughout the rest of the day. I felt like my energy just went to a completely different level and, you know, Naveen's kind of motto is like, you know, everyone should aim for their own moonshot, like their big outlandish goal that nobody believes is possible. And, you know, through the work that Naveen's doing with exponential technologies, he really is proving that everything, even what we think is like black and white impossible, is actually going to be possible. Um, and, you know, just as an example, like his healthcare company, Viome, uh, their goal is to make chronic illness an option. And, you know, when we look around the world and, you know, we see people that are suffering on a daily basis, whether, you know, it's anxiety or depression or ADD, or, you know, when you take a look at somebody like Naveen that has, you know, like a mission that uh, he's working with the U.S. government on, on making chronic illness an option, that is entirely outside of the obsolete healthcare system that we have, that in my opinion is gonna fundamentally make it implode, at least the obsolete parts of it, and make it more towards the best possible care for patients and the, the best that they have in mind. You know, I don't think there's anything more admirable than that. And so, you know, from that point, like that made me to think and like, you know, what is what is my moonshot? What is like a kind of my big thing? And Honestly, when I look back at it, you know, I kind of look back to like the 12 year old version of who I used to be of like this shy little kid that didn't really have the mental tools to express himself, to communicate with himself, to, uh, you know, really tell the people that he loved that he loved them, you know, and I think that is, you know, truly a combination of mental health and physical health issues. You know, my moonshot is I really, really want to overall collectively improve the state of mental health of, um, you know, every single person in this world. And so I don't necessarily know how I'm going to get there, but 
you know, Naveen's impact on me, you know, really, really solidified that for me for sure. Incredible, man. I remember um, a podcast he did, it might've been with Lewis House, but he, like just the way that guy thinks, Naveen is incredible. He was talking about how um, there's always people in the world that complain about we don't have enough space to, for housing, right? And he's like, why don't we just have cities in the sky? He's like, we have an abundance <laughs> of air. I'm like, that's, I never thought of that. <laughs> I was like, well, I wonder if you can make gravity like power up, if you can defy physics somehow so it's free. I don't know. It just, I know that, that caught my totally. attention. This guy is on another level. Um, but 100%, man. You, you probably saw a couple of weeks ago, man, we do this with every guest. We, we kind of showcase what the, the guest is about um, for our next chapter. And, and we want to get some community questions to, I guess, see what they want to know about you. And ran something through, and we, we selected a few. And Joanne Anderson from Sydney, she asks, she's asking you, mate, how do you get someone who is coming from a purely selfish place in their regular interactions to see others as humans? And as a result of that, think of others, people's feelings. So I'm guessing empathy in a way. Um, I think that's an interesting question, but, um, you know, to me, I think that if somebody is selfish, it means that they don't have what they need in kind of a paradoxical, oxymoronical way. Mm. And so honestly, like one of the big things for me is that, you know, I had so many people like my friends, my family that I wanted to help, but I didn't really, I couldn't help them because I couldn't even help myself at first. And I don't really know if I'm answering this question properly, but I'm just going to give it a go. You know, I had to almost, you know, kind of like fill my own cup up first because up to that point, I had actually always viewed myself as selfish. And that's because I was always trying to take, take, take because I didn't have anything left. But the moment that I understood that I have everything that I need inside of me and there are some things that I need to work towards every day, the more that I actually began to feel like and really be like, you know, wow, you know, one of, in my opinion, one of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs should be, you know, in being in service to others. And I, I honestly think that's one of the main sort of like pyramid layers that um, he may or may not be missing. But it's like, if you can just give, give, give at the same time while taking care of yourself and making sure that you have a strong foundation, I think that's a phenomenal way to sort of like be unselfish. Like, I think, um, you know, Gandhi has a quote and it's like, lose yourself in the service of others. And, you know, there's countless stories of where people have been at some version of like a rock bottom of them being like some kind of like a homeless drug addict on the street. And then, you know, like going to a shelter and like volunteering and helping people that are even less than them. And that enables them to actually find themselves. Um, and so that for me is just sort of, you know, my philosophy on how I'm not selfish. Because I think once you've taken care of your own needs, you don't really have that false premise, that false need anymore. And the narrative, the mindset kind of shifts from taking to giving because you understand the way the world works. And, you know, life is a really long and complex game. Mm. 
I don't even know if I answered that question right. Mark, <laughs> I mean, it was a, it was an abstract question, and, and you know, you, I think you you nailed it. it. It creates, you know, service creates gratitude. It, it starts to move you away from yourself. You come off yourself. You start to shine the spotlight outwards, and in doing so, you practice becoming unselfish, right? Because as human beings, we're kind of geared to be selfish. We I have love to. That. We have to practice moving away from that, right? You know what I'm saying? That's just not easy. But um, that's a good answer, man. So, man, gonna, you answered that way better than me. No, <laughs> we. I'm having these conversations uh, on this particular subject a lot. Don't worry about that. So, um, I I got a question from Gunyan Yaja from um from India. Um, I'm gonna try to answer this question. So. Asked this question in a way that it, I articulated correctly, right? So he says, a lot of people say to him, get your why clear on why you're doing what you're doing. But sometimes when we start to question our why, we get caught up in our own negativity in our mind. How do we break that cycle? How do you get out of that loop? I guess he's asking about how do you manage doubt? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I love that question, right? Because um, you know, like I, I did this live Q and a once on my podcast and there was like this 20 year old kid that called me and he said, you know, how do I like find my why in life? And, you know, he told me that, you know, he had been searching, he had been, you know, doing all these things. And, you know, one of the answers that I heard once from one of my friends that in my opinion has just totally changed my belief on this is that, you know, you're your um like your 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 purpose sort of like your why is you know staring in front of you in every single moment of your life all of the time but the only question is are you present in your life enough to become consciously aware of it i think it obviously depends on what stage you are in your life but i think if um you know you're just busy going along you're trying out like a thousand different things you're moving on a hamster wheel, you're moving on a bunch of different processes, you can really get sort of like stuck in the continuous motion of life that puts everybody to sleep unconsciously. And it's like finding out ways to be more present in your life, whether that is through uh, resharpening your attention muscle with like mindfulness meditation or yoga, or doing active conscious breathing exercises, just doing like throughout your day, making sure that your body, the vessel that we're given to live life is in good shape. I think doing those things will make you more present and really, you know, day after day, I think you'll become more aware of your why. And another like corollary fact of that is, I actually interviewed somebody on my podcast, the episode isn't out yet, um, Tasha Urich. And she's one of the like leading researchers on kind of um, like self-awareness. And, you know, th this, this, this totally blew me away. And it's the studies actually show people that consistently ask themselves why, why, why are actually more depressed, are actually more confused. And it's because of this, right? I think there is a time in your life for you to ask those questions. I know sort of like at the start of my journey, I had to ask myself those questions because I was doing a bunch of things that I wasn't conscious of and I had just sort of built them in this feedback loop. But what Tasha actually encourages people to do is 
you shouldn't necessarily ask why you should ask what you know what can you do today what can you do about this you know somebody can sit there and say oh my god you know i can't find my why you know why is this happening to me but it's like when you shift the question to what can i do going back to what we talked about your attention muscle it's like okay what i got to do is i got to go like meditate i got to go exercise i got to go make amends and forgive the people from my past relationships it kind of shifts from this like very self-inquisitive and I, I love being self-inquisitive, but almost kind of like putting yourself in a bubble to just like saying, dude, you got to get out there in the real world and actually understand that you don't have all of the answers in your mind. You don't have all the answers in your thoughts. You actually have got to take action and do things to actually find those answers. And so that's what I would say to that person. Brilliant. <laughs> I think we've got, we, we've got um, and, you, and I can't, you kind of touched on it, Mark, but um, Jeff Cobalt from California asked, when all is said and done in this life uh, you know, on earth, what is the legacy that Mark Mitri hopes to leave? Yeah, that's a good question, man. So it's like whenever I get those kinds of questions, it's like there, there's instantly two kind of sides of my mind. The first thought is this. Um, you know, I could, I could die next week, right? I could get hit by a truck. I could die in like 40 years. But the other part of my mind that's sort of, um, you know, aware of uh, exponential technologies, um, like I, I honestly think it's going to take a long, long, long time for people in our generation to die as long as they're healthy with the emergence of things like artificial intelligence and all the breakthroughs that's going on in biomed and nanotechnology. So I think we're going to expand our lifespan, like just wildly things that we can't even conceive today. But, you know, honestly, you know, when I look back at my life, like when I'm on my deathbed, um, I honestly want like that 12 year old version of like Mark Metry to almost sort of like look at me and be like, dude, if this idiot did it, like anybody, anybody in the world can, um, you know, do it as well. And it's like, for me, um, you know, I touched upon the mental health part and, you know, how I want to be a significant player, but, you know, I honestly just like, I'm a truth seeker. I'm, you know, that's where really all my journey started. It started with me trying to seek the truth. And I see a lot of different things that are going on in this world. And like my number one intention every day is to live my life in truth and in love. And I just see a lot of things in the world. And I mean, maybe that's me being a little bit too hypocritical that are not in alignment of that. And so if myself and, you know, my generation and your guys' generation can kind of see the mistakes and the errors that humanity has been making for the past several thousand years and start to make amends on that. And if I can be a part of that in any way, whether that's in the mental health and the technology sector, you know, I'm trying to do with what I can, you know, I'm trying to spread not only my ideas, but the ideas of really has been listened to you know millions of times, you know people around the world and it's like you know i wonder how high that number can really get and not really in a vanity metrics kind of way i i don't really care about that but just like if everybody in the world can listen to 
the interview that I did with Naveen Jain for 40 minutes, I, I genuinely think it could change their lives. And it's not because I'm somebody special or Naveen is somebody special, but it's just like, we're not living in this age where exponential technologies are making humans actually human. And it's like, if you were born a hundred years ago or 200 years ago, you know, you would probably be a slave. You, your mind simply would not have access to the ideas that somebody with a smartphone can have access to from both the positive and the negative perspectives. And so for me, I'm really trying to um, kind of spread this message of truth. And I just think, you know, there's no better time to, to do it. And so, you know, if I am on my deathbed and, you know, I have people reaching out to me that were just like me and kind of used me as an excuse or a reminder in whatever field that is, primarily mental health. Like to me, that's like, that's totally worth it. I love that, man. But one thing I could touch on, you, you said that, oh, if this idiot can do it, I think if you can rechange that narrative in your mind, because that's kind of calling yourself an idiot, right? Uh, that's anything I've picked up, right. but I, I love that answer. A beautiful answer. Um, before we wrap things up, man, I really just want to acknowledge you for who you are, the person that I've gotten to know. Fortunately, we haven't met up in person. There was that one time we, we could have met up in Boston last year. Um, oh, yeah. But I just really wanted to appreciate and commend you for who you are. The, the amount of value you brought me after seeing all the stuff you put on LinkedIn, the kind of person you've become, just watching your journey or knowing I hadn't known you before, but seeing that progress has definitely resonated with me. And it doesn't make me feel alone. So I just want to thank you for that, man. Um, thank you. Yeah. Do you I'll give you the, I guess, the screen, 30 seconds, whatever you've got coming up, if you want to plug the podcast, whatever you want to plug, I guess, the screen, yours, man. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, if you're interested in listening to my podcast and learning uh, every single day, I mean, just type in humans 2.0 or even my name, Mark Metry, and it'll come up anywhere you listen to podcasts and, Check it out. Let me know how it goes. I'm very responsive. Definitely reach out. Let me know how it goes. Mark, thanks for coming on, bro. And um, I just want to piggyback on what Toph said. I, I think that, look, you've done a lot of amazing things. But for me, what stands out and what, and, and I'm, what, what kind of super – how I am super impressed, especially after this conversation, is – your level of awareness and consciousness at such a young age. And I think that's nice. the greatest gift that you're going to bring to the world and the, to the community and especially to young people, right? Because your, your, your consciousness through the conversations and just through the way that you think you're going to be accessing such profound information and your ability to share that information to the community is really going to impact a lot of lives. So, I was going to ask you one question before we close off. If there was any game-changing advice that you could give to the next generation, what would that piece of advice be, bro? Dude, thank you guys so much for having me on. And, you know, I think about this a lot. Um, one thing I say is, um, you know, one of my friends, uh, Billy Allsbrooks, he used to be like this like American legend rapper did tracks with like all the big artists. And he has this quote and it's truth is the chiropractor of the mind. And, you know, I realized it firsthand and it's kind of like, 
you know, if you're being dishonest, if you're lying, not even to other people, but to yourself, you know, that is going to distort and warp how you see reality. And I honestly think it's one of the leading causes of um, a lot of mental health issues. And so, what, you know, one of the things that I would say is, you know, like literally, you know, get in this self-inquisitive area physically and mentally and just like pull out a piece of paper and just like write down like what are you not admitting about yourself like what are what are like the secret dreams maybe even you know negative things that you've sort of just like thrown in the back of your mind to not think about you know what are those things because i've learned in my life that the things that you put in the darkness the things that you kind of like hide in the silhouette and the shadows of your mind, those are actually the things that have p power over you and your subconscious and dictate your behavior, whether you know it or not. And so that's the first thing. And honestly, the second thing I'd say is specifically said, you said my generation. I, I don't think there is enough emphasis right now on food. I don't think there is enough emphasis right now on how much food and what we put into our mouth heavily correlates with our mental health. You guys are a little bit older than me. And, you know, you guys definitely had your fair share of, you know, eating God knows what, or, you know, different, you know, eating different snacks and different things. But I've seen it so much in my age of kids just like eating bags and bags of candy and that severely affecting their mood, their mental health. And I don't see it talked about anywhere. That was the case for me. I was diagnosed with uh, anxiety, depression, ADD. And um, the moment that I started to eat better and take, and through the help of some other people, uh, work my gut microbiome, that is like the, one of the biggest tips that I can give people. And I just genuinely don't see anybody talking about it because I think there's this disconnect of sort of like the older generation of, you know, food is just food, it's sustenance, it's given to us, just eat what's on your plate, versus kind of like today's technological environment that's like, you know, you can basically order any kind of food from your phone without leaving your house that is laden with chemicals that are not fit for human consumption. And nobody really understands the kind of impact that that's having on the human mind. And so honestly, the two places that I would have people start is like honesty, the truth to yourself, and then watch out what you put in your mouth because it has more impact on you than you realize. And we're sort of like in this food experiment ever since sort of like the industrial revolution of like 100, 200 years ago. And just like the research and the data that I'm looking at now of how food impacts like our thoughts and emotions is absolutely crazy. And I don't really see that many people talking about it aside from like losing weight or like eating this amount of macros to like gain this amount of muscle. That to me is where I'm interested in food in terms of kind of like nutritional psychology for sure. So I say definitely start with those two. Okay. Thanks for that, Mark. It's a, that's a great answer. I mean, uh, before we close, it, it's funny that you mentioned that I was just back home in the U.S. and it was – a real eye opener to see how, especially in the U S how people eat, right? You go to the coffee shop in the morning, there's this much cream people put on their coffee. 
chocolate chip and it's like it's insane the, and, and and i think the way that it, the highways are there's fast food laying everywhere it's people are literally eating fast food four times a day it uh it was it was quite yeah. shocking man but uh yeah man look really really grateful for your time mark we'll, we'll let you go man again really really appreciate it mate um it was a fantastic interview and uh hope to talk to you soon yeah you guys are awesome. Thank you guys so much. This was Thanks, phenomenal. Mark. See you, mate. Thanks, bye. Bye.